calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Yeah! Welcome back, everybody, to a brand new episode of The Geek Bites, brought to you by the... Geek Buddies! Hey! hey! Well, we're back this week to talk about uh, a particular topic now. And uh, Mike and uh, Shannon and I were talking off camera. We decided, we, you know, the Geek Bites, we want to kind of let you guys know. That this is a show that now is becoming something where we take one topic and we just go deep diving into it and talk about it. And, and it goes, we're thinking 20, could be 30, could be 40. depends on the conversation and where it goes. But... Basically, it's just a way for us to get together and talk about a particular topic. And this one was brought about because of uh, something that Michael brought up. Well, actually, should we introduce ourselves? I guess if you're new and you're stumbling on this, let's introduce ourselves. I am the outlaw John Roca, writer, producer, and host here on the Geek Buddies. Yeah, like he said, I'm Michael Vogel, uh, <laughs> writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And the guy that brought up this topic today. It's true. Like he didn't say. This is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you can see some of our current work every weekend on YouTube with the third season of Strawberry Shortcake, Barry in the Big City. There you go. Uh, and as you can see from the title, what we're diving into today is this article that came out on THR about Madam Web. Uh, it was uh, written by Pamela McClintock and James Hibbert. This has been picked up on Yahoo and other places that are grabbing certain quotes out of the article. It's called Inside Sony... Sony's Madam Web Collapse, Forget About a New Franchise. And some of these um, comments in the article, some of these quotes in the article are what motivated us to maybe have a conversation about it uh, and break it down for you all. And just to give you a little bit of a highlight of what's going on in the article, basically just explain how Madam Web, they had this idea of doing Madam Web and they thought it was going to spawn into this like separate tangential franchise connected to the Spider-Verse here with Dakota, uh, Dakota Johnson there as Madam Web and the other ladies, Isabella Merced, Celeste O'Connor, and Sidney Sweeney in their respective Spider-Women uh, uh, costumes there and their stories. And this would branch out into a whole separate section of the Spider-Verse universe. But unfortunately, the film for them, the film crashed and burned at the box office, is going to do less than Morbius uh, did. And uh, like bad uh, numbers, people talk about like, they, wish, they were wishing for Shazam 2 numbers this got a C plus on the cinema score, which is usually higher, even if even they're not even if they're not great that great films, they usually get a higher score in cinema score. 
Uh, but this is at the end of the day what happened here. And some of the speculation is, well, this is uh, something about, you know, women aren't going to see superhero films. And uh, maybe this was an issue of, uh, you know, where uh, you know, maybe we didn't make it in the right way or people weren't used to a different type of superhero film. So, Michael, you were the one that had the uh, real anger about this uh, article or, or, or re yeah, reaction, shall we say, <laughs> this article. So please uh, take it away. What are your thoughts? What stood out to you? What do you want to discuss first? Well, look, I think, first of all, we all know Madam Web is a bomb. Mm -hmm. Madam Web's a bomb. Like that, there's that's not in debate here. Like, no one is here to it's debate, not. like, oh, they didn't treat Madam Web fair. Like, Madam Web is an abject disaster for Sony. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think this falls under the category, and it's bigger than Madam Web, but Madam Web and this article is the perfect example of taking away the wrong lesson mm. when a movie bombs. Okay. So mo some movies are huge hits. Some movies are bombs. When a movie bombs and, you know, the dust settles after that opening weekend and it's very, very clear that this did not work, yeah. uh, you st everyone starts to come out of the woodwork with their reasonings why. Mm. And it doesn't seem like anybody here wants to just call the ball and say, this movie's a piece of shit. By here, do you mean the article or by here, do you mean Sony Pictures? So, well, it's based on the article and the quotes that are coming out, mm -hmm. uh, Sony Pictures, the people they talk to, uh, mm -hmm. the analysts. So, like, you brought up the two big ones. Like, the big discussion here is like, oh, well, maybe maybe an all-woman superhero movie. Like, you know, the Marvels didn't do great, and now this didn't do great. And maybe it's like the woman, that female audience, isn't big enough to warrant this. So maybe that was the problem, is kind of doubling down on these female characters. So that's one argument over here. Yeah. And then there's the look. People talk a lot about superhero fatigue, so we tried to do right. something different. We tried to do a grounded superhero movie where we didn't have capes and we didn't have all of this stuff. Like we really wanted to tell like a smaller movie, and that seems to not have worked. Yeah. But here's the thing: a smaller, more grounded superhero movie is a great idea. Yeah. A superhero franchise with all women is a great idea. And I don't think only women would go see those movies. So everyone is sort of spinning around, bending over backwards to say, oh, well, it's because the superhero audiences feel this way about superhero movies or this way about female movies or this way about a superhero movie with no capes. And all of that is just avoiding the fact that this movie did not turn out the way anybody intended it to, that mm. it didn't work and it wasn't good. And at the end of the day, a bad movie's a bad movie. Mm. And I just, what I, where I got upset about this is because, you know, and it did, this movie, this article framed it up with as, you know, as, as movies, as the big superhero movies, the last few DC movies, the last few Marvel movies, the box office has been less. Now Madam Web comes out, it's this huge disaster for Sony. And with Sony trying to figure out what they're doing with their Spider franchise, yeah. with Marvel kind of resetting this year and kind of getting the stage set for 2025 with uh, Captain America 4, Thunderbolts, and Fantastic Four, and with James Gunn and DC getting ready to launch their franchise, yeah. everyone is sort of wringing their hands and saying, what does Madam Web mean for the superhero genre and for superhero movies in general? And the fact of the matter is, all that Madam Web means is don't make a shitty movie. Mm, yeah, good points. Uh, Shannon, what are your thoughts uh, coming out of this article and on some of the things that Michael just brought up here in his uh, in his reaction to it? I mean, a as it typically goes with these episodes, because you go to Vogel first, he, he gets out all the good points. <laughs> and, <laughs> oh, I'm and, sorry. Well, he's the one that motivated. If, if you, if I you, mean, if you no. suggest an article in the future. No, please, no, no. Look, I, you, I am what I am. Look, I am what I am. <laughs> look, he, he he's right. I mean, the, the, the end of the day is yeah. when you look at 
if we go from 2008, from mm-hmm. when Iron Man came out, despite the fact that that comic movies, you know, really they started with Superman, they went to Batman, and then they started with X-Men right. again. Right. Um, when you look at all those movies, they're, to my knowledge, and, and feel free to ding me if I'm incorrect here, there hasn't been one that has been so critically praised that mm-hmm. has also been a box office bomb. Um, right, right. To my knowledge, that hasn't happened. Right. Um, so if the critics, and granted, I don't always agree with, with critics either, but if the critics are saying, this is a bad movie, yeah. and based off of the marketing, your audience doesn't show up, I mean, it's kind of where there's smoke, there's fire. Now, there was a time during the, the, the comic book movie boom that a bad movie could still could still get a sequel. Like, you know, you're looking at like, Suicide Squad, like like objectively or excuse me, subjectively, most people would say that wasn't a great movie. Right. Um, But it made almost three quarters of a billion dollars. Mm -hmm. So James Gunn got to have another another at bat with that franchise. Um, Even like if if you go back even further with the female led film, when you look at like Angelina Jolie's uh, Tomb Raider. Mm-hmm. as a bad movie um it but it did make enough to get a sequel that most people did not show up for right so at the end of the day i mean i think maybe the days of being able to trade in on on sort of the the comic book movie cachet those might be gone um i mean and, and you know d- despite how people may have felt about the marvels um the marvels had some had some had some fun parts but overall the marvels wasn't a great movie yeah. Um, in, in my opinion. So, I mean, I think that's more what it's coming to is that the sheen, the, the invincibility of a comic book movie, those days might be gone. Now your movie has to stand on its own merits. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that might be a reason that might be a re that might be the wrong reason people are looking at Madam Webb being like, Oh, women don't show up for these. No, they didn't show up because it didn't look good. And if you did show up, your your belief was kind of confirmed. Yeah, I think when you look, that's the thing that uh, worries me. I think, uh, Michael, you brought it up and Shannon underlined it. This idea that this is not the movie to use to learn lessons about where we're at with the superhero genre. This is a bad move, just just straight up. And I don't care how much the L.A. Times or Slate thinks it wants to promote the kitsch factor for it. There's always some website or some writer that wants to go against the grain and i you know great more power to you but like <laughs> to me when you look at it, something like this there's no lessons to be taking uh, taken out of this movie other than work harder to get a better script from these guys wherever you hire uh maybe limit the studio interference because that's the thing that sucks is that the director is out on the front line the actors are out on the front line for their performances and the writers are out on the front line but we don't know where along the process, what executive came in with ridiculous notes, changed things, told the editor to cut this stuff out, cut that stuff out. That needs to be revealed. I, I, I think that need. if there's any less to come out of this movie for me that could be a positive for Hollywood is we need to start showing who these people are that sh- show up in the process. Because this phantom thing that the studio got involved. That's like saying the media did this or you know, it's othering and generalizing, which doesn't really solve the issue. It just makes you feel warm at night in the moment, moment, but it doesn't really answer the question. So I'd like to find out what executives said what at certain times in the process, because directors are put out there on the front line and writers are put out there on the front line. Well, goddamn it, executives should be, too. And they should be named and there should be the notes should be revealed. Everything should be out there. So we understand 
who was really involved in the process. And we, as the audience, can have a much better idea about what happened to this movie if you're going to take lessons away from this movie. Because I agree. This I mean, We just had Wonder Woman. That was, what, 700 and something million dollars. Captain Marvel, the first one, made over a billion. All right, but Shannon, your point makes sense. The Marvels did, did nowhere near as good, even though because people did not like the first Captain Marvel movie, so the sequel didn't do well. Venom is the anomaly in all of this, right? Because Venom, not a good movie, made 800-something million dollars. Second one came out, made 700-something or 600-something million dollars. So there's a third one coming. Now, if this third one comes out and it tanks because of the Spider-Verse stink, or the live-action Spider-Verse stink, then I think that's a uh, and I, I think that's where Sony has to be like, well, shit, we got to start all over again because Craven may be uh, going right into the toilet as well. Yeah. Michael? So a few things. One, yeah. I, I don't know that the answer is opening the gates and sending all of the executive emails and director's notes and director's conversations out. Don't know that that helps anybody. And I don't know that Twitter is responsible enough to uh, adjudicate that. Vogel's <laughs> like, you don't get the Glenn Gary leads. To give them to you would like, be- <laughs> But I mean, but I also think it's even, even if you did, even if you did, which mm -hmm. to be clear is I think is not the best idea. But even if you did, <laughs> yeah. you're still not going to be able to suss it out. Like the par part of the magic of movie making that is yeah. sometimes amazing and sometimes horrible is that the whole process is cumulative. It's very rare, uh, you know, when you have that, even when you have that writer director who is like controlling the script and controlling the camera, yeah. you're right. They're still dealing with the producers that are attached, the production companies that are on board, the studios that are on board. Like there's still so many, and that doesn't even get into what actors are starring in the movie and do they have a big enough clout that they got an EP credit and they're weighing in on the scripts and they have their person coming in to rewrite their lines because they want their lines. Their, like there's just so many cooks in any kitchen. And this is any kitchen. Like, this isn't like, sure, sure. oh, Madam Webb had a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Uh, Avengers Endgame had oh, yeah. as many cooks in the kitchen, if not more. And it turned out great. So it's like, you can't really go in and go, where did it go? We, it, we all know it went wrong somewhere. And, you know, I've seen, uh, I think the Russos were out defending the writers. Yes. I think, you know, I've seen people defending the director. I've seen, you know, everyone is going, trying to place the blame. I don't know that we're ever going to know where the blame was. And I don't know that it's um, constructive. Well, all, all I'm asking I don't know is for the executives to share some of the blame because they never seem to share the blame in all of this. It's always Well, the studio free. is sharing the blame financially. Yeah. I mean, the studio is the one who's taking it on the chin when a movie I mean, doesn't do well. I guess. <laughs> Sorry, but I think that. But I think that also, at the end of the day, um, you know, placing the blame. What does that do? Where does that get you? Like, so let's just say we uh, we revealed every email, and there was a shitty executive at Sony right. who said, "You know what you should do," and had a list of just shit ass notes. Mm -hmm. You could say, okay, well, we fired we fired that executive, solved the problem. It doesn't solve the problem because every movie that's going to continue to get made is going to have 100 cooks in the kitchen. So I think that's the bigger point here is when you come out of this thing, everyone's looking for that, like, well, why did this one fail? Like, why yeah. did this one do so So we can badly? learn the lesson from it. Why did this one fail? Yeah. And, like, so the question, like, look, we all agree that it's not good. Right. Yeah. But I guess the better question would be what what should they have done differently? Like if you were going to make a like, look, we I think like a lot of us are in agreement that this entire Sony universe, this little pocket of 
Marvel's characters that Sony has control over, that they are continuing to try and build a universe in the absence of a Spider-Man, is a little bit doomed from the start. Mm. But if they were to continue this, like, like for, I'll give you an example. Okay. I think it's a damn shame that because this movie did what it did, Sydney Sweeney's not going to get a chance to do a Spider-Woman movie. Yeah, most likely not. She's not. I mean, like, like, like this thing is like this thing is so toxic that yeah. it, like, like Hollywood logic dictates no one wants to pick up the smoking ball. Like, well, no one, no one's going to pick this up and go. You know what? I'm going to take this piece and make my movie. But they should. Like, that's kind of my right. point. Is like, I don't think they will. But I think that audiences, by and large, don't blame Sydney Sweeney and think she looked right. pretty cool in that costume for the 30 seconds that we got to see her in it, and think she's a really good actress. And if you put her in the right vehicle. I think people would actually get excited about. I think we would forgive, like, okay, we'll forget where she came from. Madam Web was bad, and we'll move on. And I think that's where what Kevin Feige and Marvel did in phases one, two, and three, I I appreciated. Like, there were they had a couple stinkers in there. Sure. None of us really. Some of you guys are going to argue with me in the comments, but most of us don't love Iron Man two. Are iffy on Iron Man three. Thor two is fine. But like there was definitely some in there where you're like that that wasn't firing on all cylinders. But at no point did Marvel go, oh well, I guess we're gonna stop Thor movies. I right. guess Tony Stark's not it. Right. They like they they stuck to their guns and stuck to the story they wanted to tell. And I think the issue with Sony is there's not a story that they want to tell here. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I would think the Sydney Sweeney thing is of all the four ladies in this movie. I would think Sydney has the biggest possibility or biggest shot to be able to be plucked out and ha- and and put into a separate movie because most people know, as you said, Michael, that she is a good actress who's building. Right? She's got name. Her most recent film, which is a rom com, crossed a hundred million dollars the box office. That's unheard of nowadays for rom coms, and she's getting a lot of um, credit for Euphoria and then for that recent. Uh, I can't remember the uh, the. Um, Oh, I can't remember uh, uh, the lot reality. The the when she played the reality winner who was uh, revealed the secrets and all that. She had a lot of positive buzz. So if anyone can be plucked out of this, it seems like they could be bulletproof. Is Sydney Sweeney? But you wouldn't trust Sony to get it right. So you'd almost hope against hope or hope against that that she would would get that. Uh, What are your thoughts on what Michael laid out here, uh, Shannon? Well, I mean, it'll be interesting. Like with with Venom and Tom Hardy. I mean, I think already. And Vogel already said this, and, and yeah. we've said this many times on the show. What Sony's plan was, you're kind of operating from a deficit right off right off the bat. And mm. that you were trying to do you have access to all of these characters, right? That are all tied around one guy <laughs> that you're not <laughs> that you're not using. <laughs> and so right off the bat, I mean, Venom was successful. Like the three of us did not like Venom. There is a large section of the movie going public that did, yeah. which which justifies however much money it made. Because one, Tom Hardy is a it, it, Tom Hardy's fantastic. I mean, say what you will about the movie and him climbing into a lobster tank and, and you know taking a bite. Um, I think that's bad filmmaking personally. <laughs> but you know, there are a lot of people that were entertained by that enough to to make a, a sequel. That was, in my opinion, even worse, but still made a truckload of money. Like there's something with Tom Hardy and Venom, that sort of perfect strangers dynamic that Eddie Brock and the symbiote have that people do find funny. But being able to trade in on like, well, Morbius 
is a Spider-Man bad guy. Um, I think there's a world where Morbius works because essentially you're telling a vampire story Um, that do you need Spider-Man? No. Would it be really nice to have him? Yes. Um, I mean, the same thing with Madam Web. I mean, even like, I, I don't know all of the production back channel discussions that happened, but the movie takes place during 2003. Peter Parker is in Mary Parker's belly in the movie and is born by the end of it. Um, you know, who, who was this? Was this supposed to be Andrew Garfield? It wouldn't have been Tobey Maguire because right. Tobey Maguire's movies, at least as far as we know, like started in 2002. Was this supposed to be Tom Holland? What was the plan here? Mm. Um, and, you know, there are six credited writers on the movie. Yeah. And again, I think it's very easy. Like, I know there was a lot of a lot of stuff on Twitter about highlighting some of the writers being like, can you believe this guy's done all this? It's like. It is very easy to blame the writer, but the writer is the one that you you have a really hard time blaming. It's this is my point. A big, a, a big studio movie. I mean, when like you- if the notes come out, then you can know not to blame the writer. Like Dakota went on, Dakota went on in, in the press tour, of course, a legendary press tour for this movie, and and said like the script changed a lot from when I signed on to it. All right, let's see the original script. Let's find out what changed. <laughs> Let's find out who, what they, but that's, but that's not going to happen though. I mean, no, I, I mean, but before Taco Bell released the Chalupa, <laughs> there were probably eight versions that people tried. It's like, huh, this isn't right. Guess what? They got it right. It's different. It's different. <laughs> they got it right. I, then I'd be marveling at the process of getting it right in the trial of error versus something that leads to a terrible product like Madam Web. <laughs> The, the thing that really startles me about that, that article is like this derailed a series and it's like, yeah. did it? Because you probably knew what you were releasing, that this wasn't a great movie and you were kind of crossing your fingers that the comic fans would show up because it was a comic movie tied tangentially yeah. to Spider-Man. Like the, 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 the idea that you were building a universe off this one, it's like, yeah. I kind of have a hard time believing that, but again, I've I've not been in those rooms. Vogel would be able to speak to this better than I could. Yeah, let's hit a couple of points here, and Michael, I want to ask you about this. But this, I found this like recently we've seen um, the diversity officer offices shutting down. They there we see you know like the, the new century was an Asian guy, now it's a white guy. We see these moves happening. The Silk uh, uh, film is being rumored now as uh, series. Sorry, series is being rumored as uh, being redeveloped. They've let go of all the writers, and they're going to focus on making it more male centric. So, and then this other part of this thing is the transition of, that is happening with superhero movies. This is the article points out, right? Women is what is it? I don't know if women. This is from a. A veteran studio source outside veteran reads to me old white man i don't know if women are enough to carry the box office here is what this one veteran studio source outside of sony says and they said and then they go on with this other quote we are in transition when it comes to superhero movies i don't know how big that transition is or what the other side looks like uh it may be fewer movies with bigger brands so i actually don't think we're in a transition place with superhero movies i think we're in a quality deficiency place right now. The transition isn't like, you know, we're making great movies, but the audiences aren't coming to see it. What the fuck are we doing wrong? That's a transition place. This is no one's coming to see our middling movies anymore. 
we need to do better like we were doing before to get the numbers that we got, even though it's post-COVID, to get the numbers that we got before COVID. So the two things I want to hear your thoughts, do you think this? these are studio executives who are maybe pushing their own particular narratives here? You know, it should be male. We wanted to go with male, but you guys made us go with women because of, you know, because uh, uh, of the Me Too movement. Well, now we let it with women and no one's coming. So we're going to move over here. Never mind that there's about 500 terrible uh, superhero films, and I'm, I'm being facetious, led by men that didn't do well. So I find these things to be convenient narratives for male studio executives to feel this way about the situation and also to take the blame off of themselves by saying we're in a transition period when they're green lighting and getting involved with movies that are turning out to be terrible or not good. Yeah, look, yeah I mean, I think it's absolutely people pushing a narrative, whether it's their narrative or a narrative, like maybe they really believe it and they're just misled because they're Possible. a veteran studio executive who is in their seventies. Yeah, um, exactly. But, uh, but no, I think, yeah, like, first of all, dudes will go see a woman superhero 100 percent. dudes will be dudes are into it wonder woman is great we, yeah. i think common belief is that wonder woman the first wonder woman not wonder woman 84 right. wonder woman is probably most people it's in your top three of dc movies it's my number one but i, I mean for most people it's easily a top three dc movie um and not because it's a woman or not because of this it's like it's legitimately one of the best ones they made it's just badass everybody loved it so i think that you know you're absolutely right that like you know you can do five really shitty superhero movies with a male lead and everyone will be like well that was a shame what are we doing next and you do <laughs> yeah. one with a woman and you're like well guys it's the woman's fault you're like come on get out of here yeah you know it's like that that again that is the it's the wrong thinking I think where Sony as a case study, when we real when you really want to get into a heart to heart, you go, you know, you go into these rooms and I've been in, <laughs> I was in a big room at Sony with a lot of people that are probably in these meetings having, but I was in a, <laughs> I was in a big Spider-Man Sony meeting once where there was a, what are we doing with Spider-Man? Mm. What, what are we doing what, right? And what are we doing wrong? And I will tell you, I was 29, it was, it was a while, it was a spectacular Spider-Man was coming out. That's why I got to be in the meeting. And some people said some very smart stuff. Mm. And some people said some of the stupidest shit I have ever heard in my life. Like it is just, <laughs> it is just a, they say things and you're like, as a geek who has these conversations every day and watches people like us on YouTube having these conversations um, or our podcast, which you can also listen to and download right now to listen to on the go. Um, you you would be shocked at some of the things that people say. It, it really is crazy. And I think, I, like, yeah. I don't think we are in some, look, I think we've got some great superhero stuff. I mean, the Spider-Verse movies, the animated ones, yeah. all by themselves almost make up entirely for what Sony's doing on the live action side. They're yeah. that good. Yeah. And I think the big lesson to be taken away from all of this is know the story that you want to tell. Um, and even with Marvel, when you look at it, I think when you look at the Captain America trilogy, mm. when you're looking at phases one, two, and three, the Captain America trilogy or the Spider-Man trilogy of Homecoming, Far From Home, No Way Home. Yeah. Aside from their connections to the rest of the Marvel Universe, aside from how they fit in between Avengers movies and everything else, those Spider-Man movies, those three movies tell an absolutely amazing Spider-Man story. Mm. Those three Captain America movies about, about Cap and Bucky and their relationship, 
great Captain America story. Then they also tied into everything else, which was great. The Spider-Verse movies, both of them, like though, like it, you just, that feels like Lord and Miller know exactly the story they want to tell. So we, as the audience have a trust in them. You look at the Thor franchise, those four, Thor one, two, three, and four. And you're like, it's a little bit all over the place. <laughs> uh, you know, they, it seems like they were just like, what are we going to do with Thor now? Yeah. And even though some of them turned out great, I, Ragnarok is, you know, a great movie. It, you don't really have that confidence. And I think what we're at now, the audience, we want to know that you know what you're telling us, that you know what you want to do. Mm. And I think the biggest issue with Marvel right now is that we, as a movie-going audience, we're watching phases four and five, and we're like, I, I know we're going to Secret Wars, but where's Shang-Chi? Where's, yeah. what happened to the Eternals? Where's the fucking Celestial in the ocean? Like, we just, you, there's not a confidence that this story is sticking. James Gunn, is hitting the ground running with Superman Legacy with like 12 superheroes in that movie. Yeah. It's either going to be a giant disaster or he is going to go, oh yeah, Guy Gardner, he's getting ready to go do this. And I and, and he's going to know where everyone's going and what he's doing. And if he right. does and it works, we'll go with him. Like, I, I think that's the thing is that people are like, oh, the audience has lost their their taste for interconnected universes. I'm like, no, we, mm. we, just, we just like good ones. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Shannon, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, I mean, in terms of interconnected universes, yeah. we've only gotten one really good one. <laughs> I mean, when you, when you look when you look at Marvel, I mean, and 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 I think, and this is sort of classic Hollywood thinking. You see, one studio take a risk, hmm. and that risk pays off, and all of that studio's competitors are going to rush to try to replicate the success that this studio had when they took that risk. Mm. And it's not a shock that the majority of those don't pan out. I mean, and Universal's Dark Universe is the most Ooh. sort of egregious example. Like, hey, you know, there we have a we have a catalog of characters that right. we're going to be able to use. And again, first first shot out of the gate and they're like, "Yep, that didn't work. Maybe we don't know what we're doing." And yeah. it's very easy to kind of ding them. For that but also maybe applaud them to be like yeah this ain't gonna work let's let's pump the brakes and focus on the things that we do know work like the invisible man that lee yeah. winnell did and then them trying to and, and it's been slow going but them trying to do like all right let's 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 use that catalog of characters but in a way that might be less um financially uh financially risky to the studio um so yeah, I mean, you know, ah, it, it's it's just so it's so frustrating because again, I'm I'm reading Reign of the MCU mm. again uh, right now, and you see what they were able to accomplish, and some of it was luck. I mean, yes. some of it was luck, um, but a lot of it was because they really took their time and and executed the thing that they tried to execute from the beginning. And you can even point to their to the multiverse saga and be like, yeah, you didn't follow some of the lessons that you learned with that first with that first infinity saga. Yeah, I mean, for me, the final lesson is it doesn't feel like the people involved on the executive side of things understands why this universe is so beloved by people who love Spider-Man. If they do understand it, I don't think they understand it in a way that appeals to a lot of people. Venom aside, right? Because there's still a lot to explore with Madam Web, with the Spider Women, with Venom, with Morbius. 
these could have been really fun. I mean, Lee Winnell's Morbius would have been super interesting and fun and could have been fascinating to see the, the explore this without Spider-Man. There could have been little winks and nods that were a little more organic and enjoyable as opposed to like, do you get what we're talking about? He's leaping around in there. And these things get a little too annoying when they're hanging huge lanterns on it mm -hmm. uh, to make mm -hmm. it seem like you can't say these things. And so I just think for me coming out of this if, with another movie that's not, because I haven't liked any of these spider movies. I think they all suck is that the executives in charge of this area of the Spider-Verse don't understand the magic of this universe the way Feige did. For all his missteps, Feige got a lot of things right. With luck or whatever, Shannon, he got a lot of things right. And so for me, that's what I'm taking away from this movie is that these people don't seem to understand what makes this universe so well, so beloved, whereas Lord Miller do. Well, I mean, to be fair, the thing that makes the universe beloved is Spider-Man and they're not using him. So that, like right off the bat. But to your point... I, they seem to have always done this wishy-washy thing where they keep waiting for Spider-Man to come in. Yeah, yeah, right, right, They're right. They're like, oh, let's make a Venom movie and maybe we'll get Spidey in the next one. All right, well, let's make a Morbius movie. Okay, well, we, we put a Spider-Man poster on the trailer, but, oh, get rid of it. Like, it just, there's this constant thing where you, you can tell that they don't. If they had just come out of the gate and said, and I, again, this might not have worked either, but if they had just come out of the gate and said, what would have happened in a world where Spider-Man never existed? That could be interesting. That's a End great story. Guys, we're showing you a we're showing you a universe yeah. where Peter Parker never existed. I love that. Idea. And it's a what if universe, and what would have happened with no Peter Parker? Right. I'm sold. I'm, in, I'm intrigued because that is a big idea. Mm -hmm. Where I know that each movie is. Oh, here's how the symbiote happened without a Spider-Man. Right. Here's here's what would have happened in this. Here's another hero that rose up because a hero had to rise up. You know, like there's things that you could have done that you're like, oh, okay, yeah, cool, cool. Okay, I'm into it. Like that would have been a thing. And you know, just this week we've had, I know John, I saw you talking about it on Twitter, all that concept art that came out from Warner oh, Brothers on like a Batman Beyond animated movie. Goodness. That like, and again, here's the thing. Sony does the Spider-Verse animated movie. We all lose our minds. Yep, 100%. Over at Warner Brothers, somebody goes, guys, Terry McGinnis. He's, it's kind of the same like vibe. Like let's do this thing with, and 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 we saw this artwork kind of came yeah. out on Twitter and all of us universally are like, Warner Brothers make a fucking animated Batman Beyond movie. It's a yeah. home run, it makes sense. And they don't, they don't see it. They don't see it. Like yeah. it's just, it's kind of earth shattering where you kind of go, you really aren't, again, to your point and mm. start about love, but like that's where Kevin Feige, I think, and Marvel, they were, there was enough fans behind the scenes that knew what worked that enough of it made it to screen yeah with james gunn we'll see with dc is is there enough you know uh terry metallis taking over season three of picard right right he understood what made the characters work and so yeah. finding those people which is given that we and i'm including all of you listening to this right now given that we all love these characters in these universes and we talk about them all the time, yeah. multiple times a week, if you're me and John and Shannon. Um, <laughs> we think that everybody else has this level of conversation, but the fact is a lot of those people don't. So finding those people at that level, at the writer level, at the director level, and most importantly, at that executive level, who have that love of the characters, that's how you do it. Yeah, I think that's something that uh, when we would have conversations, that really shocked me when you when you would talk about you know some of those meetings and some of the things that people said in those meetings. And I was just like, why would you have anybody in any meeting making these things who has no idea why 
people love these things. It just doesn't make any sense, you know. So, Shannon, any any final words on this uh, uh, or anything you want to make sure we hit? As we I mean, I, you know, I was really thinking about like Silver and Black, like that that mm. film that almost happened, right? It, right. It, and I think with a lot of those Spider Man characters, I mean, the way Vogel pitched it, which as he's known to do um uh, uh pitching something like uh, on the heels of the tom holland success in yeah. the Mar in the marvel cinematic universe like if sony had used spider-man's absence as a marketing as a marketing tool versus versus um a a a detriment i mean silver and black this is a mercenary and a burglar teaming right, up right. i mean you can a writer can write that movie and it doesn't matter that they're connected to Marvel. Like mm -hmm. a, a, a female burglar and a female mercenary are, are teaming up for whatever reason. Craven the Hunter, uh, this guy, this big game hunter who ends up becoming a conservationist. I mean, Morbius, it's a vampire. Like there's a way to do it. Yeah. And for whatever reason, the things that they have been churning out just haven't really, haven't really fit the bill, fit the bill yet. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm not I'm not a big proponent to be like, you know, Sony, Sony doesn't get Spider-Man anymore. Um, but I, I think maybe if they kind of hit the brakes and be like, as Vogel already said, what story are we telling? Yeah. And you kind of you have a point of view before you go in rating the catalog of characters that are at your disposal and be like, let's get as much as we can on the screen as soon as we can. Um, it just seems it, it feels like a cash grab. And yeah, ultimately, yeah. those are the things that's that's how you deplete an investment. Good. The real shame of it is that Sony, in all likelihood, and maybe they've had these conversations, maybe they don't. I don't know. We'll have to ask some of our friends and find out. But uh, Sony has the solution sitting there internally. Like Lord and Miller make live action films. It's true. Too. It's very true. Lord and Miller... I think at this point have proven that they get why Spider-Man works. Mm -hmm. Like they've made two movies that by any stretch should not work as well as they do with just the scale of what they did. Yeah. And they've knocked two of them out of the park and are probably going to knock the next two out of the park. And I know it's not just Lord and Miller. It's like Joaquin Dos Santos oh, sure, and there are sure. other directors and they're like, there's a ton of people in the same way that we talk about when a movie fails, there's a ton of people where you can be like, was it you? Uh, when a movie succeeds, there's a ton of people that you could be like, was it you? It was me. Um, so it's not it's not just Lord and Miller. There's a right. ton of people that worked on these movies that are absolutely spectacular from the executive level on down to every single animator, artist, every single person. But Lord and Miller, as the two people that have sort of steered that ship, uh, clearly know what they're doing and walking them right over and being like, guys, we realize we fucked up. Yeah, it's what people what, wanted. What could we do? What could we do here? <laughs> it's what people wanted to finally have with Filoni, but you would argue they waited maybe that extra series too long to make the announcement before they could get people excited for it. So I think they should absolutely make the move. But because I mean, if Craven and Venom Three come out and shit the bed, like people finally go, you know what, this Venom series isn't as great as people think. I'm not going to go see it. Like Transformers, eventually the the Michael Bay train ended. He was making all money, all this money off those first four. Then that fifth one came out, and that was that. And so this could be the same kind of situation where they hit it, and Venom 3 is not good, and people go, all right, that's it. We're done. You know. And if that happens, you've got to rebrand and reboot and restart all over again and have a, a different approach to it. 
And people, they are never going to sell it. So I wish people would stop saying that. And I know that's your fandom. Sony will never sell Spider-Man. Never. Take it, take it out of my cold, dead <laughs> Yeah, <I'm laughs> Bury me. It's... Bury me with a Spider-Man mask. I'm not giving it up. There's Spider-Man rain, man. They are going to hold on that thing to the end, man. There's no way they're giving that up. Um, all right, well, let's wrap up there because we're almost at 40 minutes. We should stop there. Um, any final word, gentlemen, or shall we, shall we just uh, wrap it up here? Just that, you know, and I think everybody, as we're talking, like, I, you know, we all read Twitter every day. We see everybody mm. yelling about everything. Like, I think, like, rather than trying to place the blame and rather than trying to be like, Wait, let know, me clarify this. I want, I want Just to be fair, uh, the reason I was bringing up blame is not to blame someone and make them feel terrible. It is to find out where the issue is in the process and endeavor to fix it. And you say, well, maybe it won't fix it if we kick the executive out, but maybe it might because we might bring an executive who actually understands the project. That's right. my point. My, I'm not. I'm from the Eastern philosophy of blame in that let's find out what the problem is and fix it, not let's let's destroy this person. I don't make it no, right. No, I I get that. I get that. I'm just saying, like moving forward, it's like you know, like <laughs> where, what could have been done different? How right? Could we have made yeah. this better? Yeah. Yeah. Shannon, is that is that is that, is that it for you there? Yeah. Yeah. I think okay. I'm good. I think I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thanks so much, everybody, for joining us for this uh, episode of Geek Bites. We Geek Bites. We appreciate it badly. Uh, Shannon, what do we have to tell them? Yeah, I'd like to follow us on social media on Twitter. It's at Geek underscore Buddies on Instagram at the underscore Geek underscore Buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you'd like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK Tune. If you'd like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca Says. Mikey. Um, and after you do all that stuff, you can also smash the like button below, subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page, leave your comments below. What do you think of the Madam Web hoopla? What do you think of big universes and superhero universes? What is wrong with them? What is right with them? What do we need to do to fix them? Let us know below. If you're listening to us on a podcast, go ahead and leave us some stars and some comments so we go up in the rankings and more people can listen to us on a podcast. And as always, the best thing you can do is retweet this video, post it on your social, send it to your friends, and tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies. There you go. All right. Thank you all so much. And don't forget about our main show coming out on friday uh we hope this tides you over until then we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode of the geek bites brought to you by the geek buddies <gasps> hey! contained herein are the heresies of radolf buntwine erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.